Dear Ann Landers, my husband Dear and I Abby, are in shock. I'm extremely upset. My son got married in Dear Ann Landers, I'm very happy to hear that his wife is working out of a woman here at She thinks way too much of herself. She had to get married. Dear Pod. I just have to say, full disclosure, right out of the gate, I took a Xanax, I, and I feel <laughs> I feel okay now. This, this, these press briefings and the coronavirus and the swirling of the now it's July, maybe August, and the uh, gigs that have been canceled. The gigs that I was supposed to do a TED talk on May second has now been. Uh, rescheduled for spring of 2021. That is right. A year, <laughs> a year away. All of this overloads my brain probably two to three sure. times a day, at which point I have sure. to call my father because I can't afford my therapist right now. So I'm calling my father to talk me down, but I do have a dwindling supply of an anti-anxiety med that is it's supposed to be taken as needed. Actually, it's lorazepam. I think it's kind of Xanax-y. I took one about an hour ago, and I feel it now. So, hey, oh. I, it was perfect timing to talk about this subject. Uh, this, that's wonderful. Are you anxious in all of this? Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm surprisingly not. <sighs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I think no. because everyone else around me is freaking out and my boss is freaking out and just watching the 1% go crazy, um, is very cathartic. Um, <laughs> oh, so you're, you're actually kind of like reveling in the comeuppance. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, We're all in the same plane now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Funny how that worked out. I would um, say that money wouldn't buy you out of a scenario like this, but I think the Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson post was the first post of me going, okay, nobody can get tests, but all of the Utah Jazz can get them. The shitty Utah Jazz basketball team, people can't get tested for anything, but all 38 of them tested. Um, I do like the fact that in this whole debacle of trying to get people home from overseas or whatever, um, unless you have a private plane, you are still subject uh, to the lines of the airport. And if you do have this private plane, you still have to fly in to one of the designated airports in order to go through customs and uh, go through the the whole like COVID-19 stuff. And to at, get which, off at which point you have to self-sequester, right? For 14 days? Correct. Yeah. See, all the money yeah. in the world don't make you exempt from a virus, baby. Uh-uh. Good. Uh-uh. That actually gives me some faith in the system. I think it's going to reset. It's like, this is like a, a giant reset on the world, specifically the United States, which is basically like South Padre Island, 1993 spring break. <laughs> just like... Everything has just gone to shit. There's nothing good about it. And now it's like we have to take the batteries back out and put it back in, hit reset, and be like, all right. How do we fix it? How do we make yeah. it better? Yes, it's Cancun after she's been road hard, put away wet. 
And then you go back and you're like, oh, this place used to be quaint. What happened? Mm-hmm. And we're talking mm-hmm. like, let's go back to Gettysburg. Let's fix the wrongs, people. Everything. Well, that was actually a right. But still, you know, <laughs> we can go back. Let's go back in time. This is, I agree with you. I feel like something good has to come out of all of this. And and frankly, I mean, where are all the psychics in all this? Nobody saw this coming? Well, Sylvia Brown did. I don't know if you've been watching people's um, Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but they keep um, referencing that psychic Sylvia Brown, who used to be, I think, on like Maury or Montel. And she was the one, she had like the long nails and she'd always play with it. She sounded like she smoked 6,000 packs of cigarettes a day because she did. She had that blonde and Jillian wig with the bangs and she's about 300 pounds. And people are quoting this passage saying there'll be like this bronchial infection that'll come through um, the globe and kill a bunch of people. And then as quickly as it comes in, it'll disappear and blah, blah. So everyone is, um, you know, really like hailing this woman as like this like entity that has just, you know, predicted all this. Well, I did a little deep dive of Sylvia and no one feels that this woman is the real deal at all. She's more like Whoopi Goldberg in Ghost than she is uh, the real deal. She's just, every every prediction that she had was wrong. Every um, like kidnapping that she had been on TV saying, oh, your baby's dead, they died in the pool, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> These people have come like, been discovered like in a basement somewhere still living or down the street. (laughs) She's not, uh, she's not a credible psychic. But she had one good call and it was this. So that does make her exactly Whoopi Goldberg's character in in Ghost where she like didn't have the gift and she faked the gift. She and Donald Trump will make out like in the end of uh, Ghost, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and she'll turn to Donald Trump and say, "I love you," and he'll say, "Ditto," and then he'll be crying, and then she'll walk away, and then and then Donald Trump will be pulled up into a cloud with a bunch of other kind of foggy people, <laughs> and all is right with the world. Now, the only trick with this is that she died in 2013, so we're gonna have to exhume the body. Yeah. It's going to be more labor intensive than we thought. But you know what? I think someone out there in listener world is up for the task. And I dare them. This is for the good of everybody, mankind. Well, people are going to need to figure out like a new side gig since everything else is canceled. So I I think digging her up is going to be, um, I think we're going to have a lot of people wrestling for that job. I know. I'm going to be right there. I got 20 bucks. I'll, I'll donate 20 bucks. I, I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen in the next. And this is me saying this under a, a, an ounce of drugs. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen in the next week. <laughs> you know, every day brings some new fresh hell. And I just, sure. every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, oh, this is going to be a press briefing today. And I make the popcorn and I wait for the shit storm to roll in. My theory is that we're gonna have to go into a full quarantine. All this like quarter quarantine, half quarantine, um, 
you know, quarter quell Hunger Games style. Like, this is, these are like stopgap measures to what ultimately probably ne- really needs to happen, which is everybody stops moving, right? Right. I mean, you just reminded me of Star Search when it's like three and three quarter stars, quarantine, three and three quarter stars. <laughs> um, I agree with you. I don't know how it's going to happen um, because there are still like a ton of people um, out and about. Yesterday On spring was break. Pretty, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> even like looking out my window, there's a ton of people which is surprising because it was desolate yesterday. Throw things at them from your window. You have the height. I should. I should. I you really should. I'm going to start boiling tar. Yeah, that'll learn you. If you don't stay in, yeah. you get burned in Hell's Kitchen. I, you know, I, I was out and about today and we thought, well, you know, things are open. Let's start to prep just in case. In the next couple of days, they're like, you know what? We've decided everybody needs to stop. So we went out and we got projects and stuff. We went to, to the farm and got stuff to tend in the fields. If we're going to stay still, we have to work in the house, you know? And uh, we went to go ask a guy a question about something to do with grass. And he was like, I don't know. We've got such bigger problems. And I was like, we're the assholes. We are. <laughs> okay. okay, you're right. We're all trying to get on with our lives. And... And I'm talking about crabgrass. <laughs> Valid. I just wanted. I'm to trying to. I'm trying to attract the blue jay. Can you recommend what kind of bird seed? <laughs> Are you fucking crazy? I just tried to. Have... I just shit in my hands because there's no toilet paper. <laughs> I just wanted one moment, <laughs> one moment of feeling like a normal person for five seconds, and that guy just shit down my mouth, and he didn't have any toilet paper. And... <laughs> I will say this with all the looting that's happening in all these stores, I have learned that I want the groceries no one else wants. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, I want the gluten free bread, you guys. Mm-hmm. I want the yeah, zucchini noodles. I'll have I'll have the gluten free rice cakes. Why Absolutely. does anybody want these? I don't understand why they're not. And BuzzFeed posted this whole thing about these are the items no one wants, even in an apocalypse. Every single one of them, I was like, well, I eat that. That's in my cabinet. I'm I'm how, eating it while how, I'm reading this. Don't how come no one wants a giant jar of gherkin pickles? I don't understand. Oh, my God. I'd be Sweet the first pickles. in line for it because they stay. I'm thinking about food with longevity now. I'm seeing food in a whole different light. I know. I felt, you know, I felt like, I felt like it was in supermarket sweep. Like I ran, like someone gave me like that, that text this morning, like, uh, you know, like I have a friend of the United Nations or I have a friend that's friends with the president or I'm Ivanka Trump's dumpster diver. You need to go to the store right now and buy everything you can. So I like sprung out of bed and I ran across the street to the store and I like ran in as if I, do you, do you remember the show supermarket sweep? Oh, I loved supermarket sweep. Right, Loved when you're like it. running down and and everyone like runs to the meat aisle, they get the, the allotment of seven turkeys, then they go down, they get like the giant jumbo fabric softener, they they look for that in-store product, which gets them a $500 bonus, which is a giant like uh, inflatable ketchup bottle, Sides and then they bring it back, to, yeah. right, like that's how I felt like I was shopping today, because the longer <laughs> I was in there, the more people were like racing to the store. <gasps> I'm telling you, Supermarket Sweep could have been... 
just a subtle hint of what was to come. It was training. It was guerrilla training for this very moment. And if you were a person who appeared on it, you're ready for this time. You are the most prepared out of any other American. <laughs> I don't care if you're a Navy SEAL. I don't care if you work in hospitals. But do you know how to do supermarket sweep effectively? How to go for the most expensive, durable items in those aisles? It's yeah, it's they, it's getting bloody out there. There's no such thing as a, a Clorox wipe to be found, I think, in the state. No, 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 no. I I was very fortunate to get in while well, I when it was uh, still relatively innocent to purchase such a such an item. Oh my god, um, you got the tickets ahead of time. It's like you were going to see Pearl Jam at Madison Square Garden. Right, right before they hit it. <laughs> exactly. Um. <laughs> what I like is while we were texting each other in the beginning of all this, like remember a week ago when things were so normal? Ish. Yeah. Like they were we were at the beginning of it. It was just sort of a joke. Uh a week ago I had just come back from playing God. Like my show closed mm -hmm. a week ago yesterday. That's insane. And in one week, yeah. I feel like we're living in a demilitarized zone. I'm like, should I join the army? And you and I were texting back and <laughs> forth about not knowing what to do. It was like, I don't know. What should I do? What do I do? Do I do I get more toilet paper? Do I go and get disinfecting wipes? Do I get highlights? Do I do I get the Botox? Do I wait on the Botox? Mm -hmm. Do I get Botox? Like, I don't know what to do. Should I get some toilet paper? Should I um, should I take money out of the bank? Should I uh, stock up on, on tuna fish? Do I get Botox first? Should I get Botox? I should probably get Botox first, right? Go tanning, get Botox, then maybe I'll go to the store later. Oh, this is the question. Do I make jello? Do I make jello shots? Do I buy all the watermelons in the store, <laughs> fill it up with vodka? And <laughs> responsible <laughs> shopping. I want one jackassy frat kid to be walking out of a shop right with like toilet paper and watermelons and be like, I'm in for the next two weeks. Fuck all y'all. Uh, I won't feel I got anything. All the I got all the jello flavors. Fuck <laughs> you, bitches. I, I need a quarantine bay. Who is it going to be? <laughs> I walked into a Starbucks yesterday, which was interesting, because now we're seeing post-apocalyptic Starbucks, which is next level. And I just went in. I didn't know what I was thinking. Like, none of us know what we're thinking, like what to expect. And in Starbucks now, you can't hang out. They have tables in there, but they have no chairs. It's like, eat what you want, get out. It's like being in right. an angry saloon in the West, the wild, wild West. And <laughs> uh, I got my stuff and you can't, all the milks and the sugars and the everything, everything's behind the counter. It has to be doled out to you. And as I'm leaving, a guy, a crazy drunk homeless guy walks in and he has a boot cast on. So he's like limping in the door and he goes, oh, beautiful lady to me. And I was like, first of all, no, we can't do this right now. Because you're, you're, if, if it weren't for social distancing. My husband's I, here. I would love to punch you, but I don't want to get COVID on my hand. I punch you, but then I have to sanitize afterwards. But then he, he passes by. I was like, do you even know what's going on outside right now? Clearly he doesn't because he walks into Starbucks and he goes, what the hell's going on in here? <laughs> Where is everybody? <laughs> Where is everyone? Like,
like so screaming and confused. I like he had been in a coma for five months and just woke up and be like, well, "Who's COVID?" He's way behind on all of his news. <laughs> who's the president? Next thing you're gonna tell me is, is give me a break. It's canceled. God forbid. What happened to Franklin Delano Roosevelt? <laughs> oh Lord! Oh Lord! Oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh, I feel like I feel like when I'm shopping, I feel like Elizabeth Moss in um, Handmaid's Tale. Like I'm just kind of like looking nervously with my giant, huge eyes at people like like almost on the verge of tears, like right before I'm, you know, like I know I'm just going to get like raped in my bed with someone's going to hold my hands back. (laughs) You know, like I'm just I'm like touching each can of tuna, just just very like delicately like they do in in the show. Ugh. Well, they don't even look. They just sort of grab. There, there's a couple girls in there that'll just grab shit and throw it in, but very cautiously. They want to take as much time as possible. Well, I don't think we're that far off from that reality. There's going to be people with guns in supermarkets, and there's going to be three of everything on a shelf, and we're only going to, we won't be able to come too close to each other, but I'll look at you and say, He has blessed us with fine weather. And then I'll grab <laughs> some gherkins. But it'll be, it won't look as cool as it does in Handmaid's Tale. I'll be like. Not at all. I'd be like, he blessed us with good weather. And then I get an Enemans loaf. Right. And then I'll turn to you and I'll say, he jizzed on my muffin. And I'll look at you and there'll be a homeless man ejaculating on my Wonder Bread in my cart. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Under his eye. Under his eye. As I grab fruit. In my eye. As I grab fruit It hit me in my eye. (laughs) It's in my eye. I would give anything to be under his eye just once. So I wouldn't have to throw out another contact. (laughs) He just in my eye. He just in your eye. (laughs) Brave new world. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I can't think of a better way to just let's get into this. Let's relax our sphincters and say, welcome to Dear Pod, the squeaky clean, except for the language, comedy advice podcast. I am your host, haughty Surgeon General Jerome Adams. Ooh, and I am Cynthia Nixon. You're welcome. Oh, I feel safe in her hands. And we're coming to you from two different um, socially distant what is it? Social distancing. We're social distancing ourselves, so we're coming to you from two different locations. Where are you? Where are you at, Patty? Want to want to name your I'm house? In, I'm in downtown Swingin' Hell's kitchen. You're in hell, and we are here at the beautiful new disinfected pineapple ranch in the Maha Bar at the Pineapple Ranch. Can I hear it? Put your hands together for Mr. Randy Watson. Yeah, one more time. Randy Watson, how about it? <laughs> Sexual chocolate? Yes. Yeah. Did you hear that over there? I didn't hear that at all. Yeah, see, now, now you're in like my you. position. <laughs> <laughs> and the extra weird part is that I'm sitting in your seat. It oh, it feels oh, so topsy-turvy, upside-down, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. But I do feel like in the midst of all this chaos... We need comedy more than ever. And we are going to deliver that to you every week in hell. Maybe even more than one, because guess what? We're all laid off. Nobody's, you're the only one working. Because we had nothing but time. 
Nothing but Nothing time on my hands to, to make me contemplate my life choices and wish that I wish that I was Jeff Bezos right now. You should have been a nurse. I don't know how they're doing it right now. I mean, because everybody, they have to have like a hazmat suit on to test these people. And then you got to take that whole hazmat suit off, put a whole new hazmat on to test another person. Just sweating. Sweating. But I have faith because you know why? Tom Hanks will find the cure. He will. He will. Once once they announced him as having coronavirus, I was like, what's the over-under that he will play a scientist that discovers the cure for coronavirus in exactly one year? Is this some sort of elaborate guerrilla marketing? Like yes, he's manager? actually working. He's working with Steven Spielberg right now. Yeah. And his manager's like, here's the thing. I'm going to start a virus. I'm going to start it in China. And isn't it uh-huh. weird that we talked about bat soup on that episode? Yeah. I mean, I think we were like ahead of, ahead of our time here. I know. Yeah. So if you need to, please go back and binge all of them. If you're sequestered, if you're quarantined, if you're feeling lonely, we're still here for you. We have close to 50 episodes for you to binge at this point, which is crazy. So you can follow us. Look, now that like kind of the these, I want to say the initial boom has been lowered, but the boom keeps getting lowered every day and every day. And uh, social media has been flooded with, with all sorts of crap. So we're going to be back online and taking your advice questions, anything that you want to ask us about anything, make it specific if you want to to the scenario, because this is something like we've never experienced anything like this before. So if you have any questions on how to survive the quarantine times, what to drink, who to surround yourself with, who to get a quarantine bay, I got a quarantine bay, my jewels. And let me tell you what, after two weeks with him, I'm going to need a divorce lawyer. This is going to be a very long quarantine. The last time we were stuck together was 1917, when, when I thought I had the shingles and nobody could leave. So now we're back together again. Jules and Anne! Isn't it wild that, I mean, when you look at Marcus, you're like, okay, if I have to be in, in this house with you and I'm not allowed to leave and it's martial law and there's guys outside with guns and I'm stuck in here with Marcus, how do you feel? Do you have a good quarantine bay? I do. My concern is that I don't have a quarantine dog because my dog is only trained to go outside. Well, so if I'm going to be if I'm going to be shot every time I take my my daughter outside to take a dump, then, you know, I guess I'm ready. I guess I'm ready. I think I've watched enough China Beach to figure out what to do. Um, Wait, you're you're ready to die or you're ready to be shot? I'm ready to be shot. I don't know if I'm ready to die. But I'm ready to be shot. And if, you know, I have to be Ricky Lake as, as Cherry, the, the cheerful nurse, the final uh, episodes of China Beach, then I will. Or I can be Dana Delaney, but, you know, either one. No, no, I'll be Dana Delaney because I, I think that she and I have, our coloring is very similar. I just want to make it yeah. easy. I want to make it easy for all oh, good. of us. Okay, good. Good. We're going to China good. Beach this shit until it's over. <laughs> Which with every day, they're like, this could be over by 2020. I don't know. 2021, 23, we'll see. Oh, my God. It just keeps getting extended. But you know what I like watching is all the people who were behind him 
because like I said, that that Surgeon General, he is a pretty, pretty man. And if it, I'd like to shake hands with him. I'd take the risk. I know he wouldn't be into I, it. I like the woman that's wearing that very daring scarf slash blanket <laughs> that's wrapped around her shoulders. Chico's? That pulled out that huge chart that told nothing. And then they all sat there. They lied, whatever they did. And then the doctor gets up and is like, actually, that's not what's going to happen. What <laughs> needs to happen is, like, <laughs> he's lying, saying, we're all going to be fine. He's like, I'm sorry, there are no more lifeboats, Rhodes. You need to leave now. We're Fauci's all thinking, my favorite no. character. He looks like <laughs> one of Jeff Dunham's puppets. <laughs> he has that, like, somebody's got his hand up his ass being like, this is bad, you guys, it's real bad. I love that he contradicts everybody, and I'm like, listen to that dude. He knows what he's talking about. There's something. He's... He, I want Fauci, Fauci for president. 2021, that's who I want to he, win the White House. He, he's a little bit like Kermit the Frog when he's uh, playing the re- reporter with the trench coat because he's a little <laughs> bit shorter than everybody. He goes up to the mic. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have to keep adjusting the mic. Everybody's heights are different. Come on, Fauci, hold on. Let me grab you. I'm going to put you on my shoulders now. And he's like, that's not social distancing, <laughs> sir. We've discussed social distancing. No, no, Fauci, you're just so cute. Okay, put put a leg on either side of my neck. We're going to form a mount, Fauci. <laughs> he's so little, but I trust what he says. It, it is terrifying that the one person is like, you know what? We're gonna be fine, you guys. It's just gonna, it's gonna wash right through, and then, and then Fauci comes up being like, you guys are so fucking wrong. <laughs> Smokes a cigarette, takes his temperature. He's so baller, and he's not even like Debbie Downer. He's like, um, no, that's not what's happening. Actually, <laughs> what's happening is about a million people are gonna die by the end of the week. Anyway, get your toilet Catherine... paper. Have a great day. Love your scarf wrapped around you. <laughs> around you. Neat chart. Doesn't pertain to anything that I've just said. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Look, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but we're going to lose at least half the people in America. Now, I'm going to hand this over to Chico's, who's wrapped in a scarf that was ironically made in China that she's been wrapping around her face for the past month. He's like, here, hold my bat sandwich. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, bat is the only thing left at Wegmans at this point. <laughs> bat in a can. Huh, interesting. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Why are they all on the ceiling? <laughs> Pick your own. <laughs> bat your own bat. Ooh, ironic that a bat did get into this house. Foreshadowing. And we got it right out. We didn't eat it. We didn't spread it around the country. Is this all because somebody ate bat soup? I don't know, but it it sounds good. Sounds romantic. Well, let me tell you what. I've been inspired to be vegan this week. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's grossed me out enough where I'm like, I don't want to. Oh, my God, he coughed. Oh. Did you hear that? Oh, my God. Oh, God, now I got a quarantine within the quarantine. Damn it. Oh, God. It sounds well, like you were throwing books down the stairs. Oh, well, might as well. I'm not going to read these. Please. The longest <laughs> book I've ever read is the cheesecake factory menu (laughs) this is the nail in the coffin of victoria's secret probably 
But that doesn't stop them from sending me emails telling me they're doing everything they can to control the outbreak by cleaning as much as possible. Thank you, Victoria's Secret. And by the way, hot yoga is still happening. They're just what? practicing social distancing in a hot yoga class. I want to go in there with a flamethrower. That sounds fucking terrible. And somewhere Bikram is like, I don't know. I just kiss the chicks and touch the girls. <laughs> well, listen, despite the disease and the chaos swirling around us, I think we have opted this week to, to stick with what our original theme was. And I think that we should stick to it because we need some lightness and levity amongst the heaviness and chaos of what's happening outside. So our theme today is St. Patty's Day. Ah, Aaron Cobra. Word, t- 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 yes, all of our events have been canceled uh, because really they the down. It wasn't because of the COVID. They canceled the events because they don't want to spread Irish culture, and I get that. We're like of all the things to be so thankful of in all this is that all the St. Paddy's Day crap is not going to happen. However, I did lose about three jobs on that night, so I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. This was my week. This was my week to net things in because my name is Aaron McGuire, but I'm going to be fine. I'm going to start my own Patreon in my pants, and it's going to be lovely. So, yes. I'm just excited to not step uh, through vomit and see everyone being slutty leprechauns or slutty shamrocks or slutty shamrock shakes. Or whatever these fucking people are at the bar underneath my house. I would love I'm just a happy that shamrock it's... shake. I love it. <laughs> I, I won't go to get a shamrock shake because McDonald's won't have them. And if they do have them, it would have a paper straw. And shamrock shakes are no match for a paper straw. Or vice versa. I'll take your word for that. Um, it's been a while. It's been a long time. I haven't had a shamrock shake since I was a kid. Oh my God, yeah. I loved them. I love anything that's limited release, you know? And, uh, oh, before I forget, also follow us on all your social media, at DearPodOfficial on your Instagram and your Twitter. Send us your questions. We are going to be putting them out every week. Any advice questions that you have, we will answer them, and we will make you laugh, damn it. That is my promise to you. And you can also email us, dearpotofficial at gmail.com. That's correct. That is correct. And if Look you're out having... for our Instagram and ask us questions, whatever comes to mind. You'll probably be bored. We can do our best for our next episode. We can relieve you. Let us relieve you. We're Let like a, a happy you. ending for your ears. Uh, ears. I, I choked on that word, but I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm not showing any symptoms, okay? Also, if you if you listen to us on the Apple and the, the Spotify and whatever, you can find us all. All of our episodes are at dearpodofficial.com. All one-stop shopping for your pleasure. So what do you say? You want to go in on some articles about Irish folk? I'm curious to see what you found. Yes. I am ready to go so deep, so deep. Oh, don't go too deep, so darling. Deep. We're not we're not capable of doing that. I'm going to keep doing that the whole time. Okay. Just to irritate All my right. jewels. All right, I shall start. Start. This is from the Brazosport Facts 
Clute, in Clute, Texas, <laughs> January 21st, 1977. It was a Friday. It's entitled Irish Retaliates with Low Blow. Dear Abby, the clan gathered at my sister-in-law's house for a holiday dinner. Everyone was nice and friendly until Sis turned to me and in a very loud voice said, Say, what color would your hair really be if you didn't dye it? Gray? Taken completely by surprise, I said the first thing that came to my mind. I'll tell you what color my hair really is if you tell me how much you really weigh. Sis is very fat. She claims she has a thyroid condition, but she eats constantly. Well, things got pretty hot around here, and now the whole family, including my husband, is furious with me for insulting the hostess. I don't see why her privacy is any more sacred than mine, but if you think I should apologize, I will. Signed, not Irish for nothing. Hmm. Dear, dear Irish, even though she struck the first blow, you were childish and unkind to have struck an even lower one. If it will restore peace in the family, apologize. I mean, here's the thing. I feel that as an Irishman, we go for, we don't like hit, we don't just like lob a little, like a little insult. We sink the battleship. We, we're not trying to play nice. If you say something nasty, we're going to fucking explode your battleship. Am uh, I correct? Absolutely. We hit hard. We hit fast. And we hit smart, which is, is the most dangerous of all that, like, we'll use something against you that even you didn't know about yourself, you know? And we get ugly and we, we go in deep. And I mean, I have a crazy Irish temper. You could ask my mother. <laughs> I, we're not doing the moth report this week because we already have you phoning in. Unfortunately, she will, next time we're allowed to not be distanced from each other, the moth report will be coming back. Don't you worry. But um, yes, I have. I, I turned on her in a very premenstrual moment recently and um, according to her, unleashed a string of swears that still hangs over Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was oh. it was 8 a.m. words were said. I have a very quick temper. In certain I didn't I didn't know that. Life. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. In case you didn't, you've never experienced it. Not at all. She gets hot and then she cools down. <laughs> but don't you when you um, fight, don't you do you fight dirty? No, I think I used to because I would watch, you know, I've, you know, I have seven siblings and some of them are really good at just instead of being like um, you know, like in seventh heaven or full house when they have that very special moment where like the music plays and they solve the problem, they work on their communication. That's not what happens. What happens is <laughs> I watch this I watch the tennis game of like throwing hot potato, but the hot potato is uh, like that cartoon uh, black bomb with like the long wick and you're just waiting for someone to catch it and explode. That's kind of what it is. Oh, that's so I've learned, I've learned from watching all of them that in order to win or to be funny, you decimate, which actually means you like you've won, but then you're like, yay. Oh, fuck. Now I'm stuck at the dinner table for the next hour. And, <laughs> we have, and we have the, just like 
wow, just fucking blow up the whole conversation. And did I win? Did I win? No. Because <laughs> now no. I'm trapped. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to sit here and choke down this chicken. I mean. I mean. Oh. Also, as the youngest, because we're both the youngest, we had to find different ways to fight. I didn't have the physical capacity to fight my brother. I had to fight him with wits and rapier talent. Correct. I did the same. I would. I chose to be silent, but then I, like a sponge, absorbed all of their tactics and then, you know, picked from them now when I'm going against someone in an argument. Not, not all of them are pretty. Not all my tools are pretty. <laughs> no, none of my tools are pretty. In fact, <laughs> they're really kind of clunky and they're really um, like Neanderthal. And my first reaction, you know, my mother once said to me, she was like, you would have made an amazing lawyer. And I was like, there's no way in hell. If I was in a courtroom, how much money would I have to pay for being out of line to a judge? Because <laughs> my only argument from on behalf of my person would always be, so's your old man. And just angry. They're like, uh, <laughs> they'd always be like, uh, Aaron, can you please sit down? You're no, I'd get whiny. I'd, I'd definitely, no, uh, I you don't... sit down, Judge. He's not telling the truth. Uh, <laughs> I made a very good argument, and you can't stop overruling. You don't even know. Uh... You don't get it. You don't know what you don't know what she told me. I mean, she told me that she slept with her husband. Oh no. I did that thing again. <laughs> In panic, I may give away secrets. And that's, <laughs> I don't think that that's a good quality to have in a lawyer or somebody who needs to not be panicked or not angry. I just have a very quick switch. And then uh, it feels better. It feels better after the explosion. I'm not going to lie. Not for the other people who receive it, but for me, no, <laughs> I feel great. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's like an adrenaline sure. rush. And isn't it all about ourselves in this time of coronavirus? Oh, for me, those toilet paper rolls. All right, I have an article for you, which is uh, ironically from the Gettysburg Times in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where I went with my family. I need to tell you all about that. March 4th, 1986, a Tuesday. One reader wants to thank a long-ago friend. Dear Ann Landers, St. Patrick's Day is coming. This means parties, Irish coffee, beer, bourbon, scotch, soda, and vodka martinis. Hmm? I want to share a story with your readers that changed my attitude towards friendship, drinking, and driving. Several years ago, when I was 22, I attended a party in which I drank several glasses of festive spiked punch. Though I knew good and well I was intoxicated, I decided to drive home. Because it's the 80s. After I did a bump off my friend's boob, I decided. A platonic friend named Ed stopped me at the door and tried to persuade me not to drive. I argued with him, insisted that it was perfectly okay, but he refused to give up. It ended in an ugly scene with me hitting and kicking him because he took my car keys away and wouldn't give them back. Finally, exhausted and crying, I gave in and Ed drove me home in his car. He even arranged for a friend to follow in his car so that I could have it in the morning. 
how I hated him that night. Really? Ed and I went our separate ways. We both married and had kids. We live hundreds of miles apart and have been out of touch for several years. I think of Ed often. What a special friend he was to take the kicks and blows and all that ugliness because he thought my life might be in danger. If I ever see Ed again, I want to tell him what his persistence and courage have meant to me all these years. I hope others will understand that stopping a friend from drunk driving can be a gift of life, and even though she or he may be furious with you at the time, that person will be forever grateful. Alive and well in Ohio. Dear Alive and Well, thanks for sharing your story. And now, why not track down Ed through mutual friends and send him this column? It would make his day. I'm sure Ed gets that and is like, oh, God, that bitch that kept kicking me when I tried to save her life. I don't want to hear from her through Ann Landers. But I'm glad she came to her senses. I should have let her go. <laughs> oh, God. And he's like, that's fine. She sure a fucking lesson. Jesus. Good for Ed. He was persistent. In a time where they really weren't. The 80s felt like, ah, fuck it. Well, I've... I, I did some blow. I I traded some stocks. I hung out with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, and I thought, you know what? I'm ready to drive home after this belt of whiskey. The 80s were not a time for good thoughts. No. Ed was probably like, you'll never believe my night. First of all, this woman comes up, asks me to smack her boobs together. I said, <laughs> no, thank you. Then she's like, how about another vodka shot? And I said, no, thank you. And then she's like, why don't we go for a drive really quick? I can take you somewhere nice. He said, I don't really think so. And then we start driving. Then she does a bump off my dick. Then she's like, why don't you fuck me while I have that cocaine on your dick? Wait, what? What's happening? And then Maybe I'll not. drive home. When I just said Corey Feldman and Corey Haim, I do have to say one little sidebar. Corey Feldman oh, no. picked the accidental perfect time to drop his movie that he financed himself called A Rape of Two Corys. Do you know about oh, this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do, because I am an idiot. Did you watch it? Come on, that's no. perfect quarantine <laughs> viewing. While you're binging everything else, just just whip open A Rape of Two Corys and let's see what he had to say about Charlie Sheen. Grab the kids, oh, get some God. popcorn, maybe make a fire, and watch A the, Rape of Two Corys. <laughs> The explosive revelations of Corey Feldman, like every now and again, rolls out with a new story or a new version of the old story. And it's like, wait, so now for like 50 years, you've been thinking on the story that Charlie Sheen raped raped you or something. And then Charlie Sheen comes back out and he's like, listen. I think I've been very clear with every fucking crazy ass shit thing that I've done and said, but this shit is really crazy and I didn't do it. <laughs> the worst part is, I mean, Charlie Sheen being Charlie Sheen and the player that he is and the, like, you know, all the stuff he's ever done in his life. It's not that much of a stretch, but Corey Feldman as a source has lost some credibility after he came out with an album that he self-produced where he dressed up like Michael Jackson and this was only in the past couple of years. And the worst part is it's on my Spotify now because as a joke, I downloaded it. And that joke now continues to haunt me. This is why I have to watch it. But I can't find where it's streaming. Oh, we shouldn't say streaming when it comes to this. 
Mm. Bad, Bad choice of words. Yeah. Uh, well, stream into a rape of two Corys. <laughs> Give me what another article. <laughs> your mom. Your mom called. What are you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just watching a movie. What are you watching? The rape of two Corys. Uh, oh. Okay. What channel is okay. it on? <laughs> I'll call you later. I'll see it. I got no problem there. <laughs> My mother also said today she's had some gems this week, you know, in the, in light of the coronavirus, and uh, she was getting so irritated with the fact that it, it manifests symptoms in some people and not in others, and you don't know who has it, and, and sometimes it takes fourteen days to see any sort of symptoms. And she was like, uh, you know, when you get it, you should just turn blue. It should just turn you blue so that we know you have it. <laughs> And then we'll take care of you from there. <laughs> but why can't it just turn you blue like it's the scarlet letter of coronavirus? Oh, and now, do you know Idris Elba got it? Yes, I saw that. Oh, the what hope is there for sexy people? That's what I wrote. Yeah. I thought hot things killed the virus. <laughs> <laughs> Gail C., that's a good line about Idris Elba getting <coughs> coronavirus. Someone also said, where is Gwyneth Paltrow with her magical vag egg right now that's going to tell us what the, we got to rub ourselves with kale. Hey. She's like, hey guys, it's me, Gwyneth. So I'm in my tree fort in Greenwich Village and people are like, it's your apartment building, you bitch, that and you own. All right. Do you have another one? We're still doing articles. Do. We have so much yes. to say today. There's so much going on. Oh, and I can feel my anti-anxiety meds wearing off. God, I metabolize okay. things so quickly. All right. Go on. Okay. All right. Irish eyes aren't smiling anymore from the Lompoc record, Lompoc, California, April 15th, 1969. It was a Tuesday. Dear Abby, I'm an Irish Catholic, and my father doesn't allow me to date fellows who aren't of my faith. Well, I'm going with a very good-looking Jewish guy. He has blue eyes and dark curly hair, and he could pass for Irish. His name is Feinberg, but I introduced him to my father as Finnegan. <laughs> they only got to say hello and goodbye, but pretty soon I'm afraid they'll get into the conversation. My father will find out the boy's not Irish, and then what will I do? I don't want to be the first teenager to land on the moon. Signed, Irish Eyes. Dear Eyes, tell your father the truth before he finds out himself. You may be the first teenager to land on the moon, but you'll get there with a clear conscience. <laughs> oh, are the Haas written She's in or just implied? Funny. She is funny. Uh, I love, I love it's like the, the birdcage. His name is Seth Goldenbaum, but I told my father that his name was Aiden O'Hurlihy McGillicuddy Jones. <laughs> I think he passed for it. He did say he was an accountant. His last name is Rosenberg, but I had said his name is Shahaley Mahaley O'Henry McCrackahan. I he, think he bought it. He was holding a menorah at the time. I hope that didn't give him away. <laughs> Patio homo. <laughs> Patio homo. I'm Patio homo here. Hi, tatatai tai. Ooh. Hi, tatatai tai. Hey. Hi. 
Oh, they'll figure it out sooner or later when you get I child mean, bride married. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what year was this? This was 1969. Oh, yes. Yeah. So there was a lot less intermingling. Can you imagine that that's the biggest problem that people had? It's like, oh, I don't want you to go. Like, like what? What, like this is literally like that that scene in uh, the Birdcage, right? Like when like what's his last name? It's Goldberg. Coleman. Goldberg. Coleman. Coleman. Yes, and I'm a an atta, Greek attaché to the. Oh, I know. <laughs> Wait, I was just gonna say so something stupid. about this. The fake names. The oh, you don't want. It, at the end of the day, you don't want Irish people breeding with other Irish people because they it's disappear not, eventually. The they blood, just burn up. Yeah, they just they burn up. That child, as soon as it exits the womb, the lights from the ER give it a third degree sunburn. <laughs> that is not okay. You know, intermingle. This is how we get good looking people. This is how we get the Idris Elbers of the world. We don't do it by keeping two Irish people. All the things. Don't double breed an Irish. I dated a ginger <laughs> once, and I thought, this isn't going to, this is not healthy. I have never. I have never dated a ginger. Or an Irishman? I have never. Or I've never. An Irishman? No. I think no, I've none of these. two, maybe? But I don't even know. See, like, it was a blip on the radar. And even I was like, this is gross. <laughs> like one of us, one of us shouldn't be covered in blood blisters, you know? And yet here we are. And I can read every single vein on your body. It's like, it's like sleeping with slim good body, you know? Are you referencing your life partner? Oh, I'm looking right Please. at my life partner and being like, you're disgusting. No, he's got That's some nice. Italian in him, so he has the potential to tan. He can get some color, which I never have been able to. I can burn. No. Wow, can I burn. And it's fun. I get the occasional, I get slightly pinker as the season goes on. That's sweet. It That's is really cute. It sweet. makes me look ruddy. I mean, if... if you know, the season goes on and they let us outside in the sun anymore. I gotta see the sun, man. I like this next article that I have. I feel like you could appreciate this. I found this real quickly. This comes from the St. Louis Post Dispatch, St. Louis, Missouri, March 8th, 1974. It's a Friday. Irish prefer TV over sex. <laughs> Before I even start, the answer is yes, always yes. There is always something better on TV. I don't care if you were in the 50s, you're watching Lawrence Welk. That is better than what any Irishman can offer you. Just trust me. Hey, hup. Dear Ann Landers, I was intrigued with that reader's definition of lace curtain Irish. He said, the women's are virgin until they marry. And the men, afterwards. You replied, it doesn't add up. Witness the large Irish families. Here's a slightly amended version. God gave most Irishmen an excess of fertility to compensate for their sexual apathy. It's possible to have a baby every 10 months and have a lousy sex life. I know because it happened to me. Most Irishmen are best at blarney and boozing. 
When it comes to sex, they can take it or leave it. It's a toss-up if it's... Oh, Jesus, here we go. I'm revving up into this. If it's a toss-up between making love and a Western on TV, they'll take the latter every time. A great sex life has very little to do with large families. In fact, the opposite is closer to the truth. I boil when someone looks at our large family and says, I know what you do for a hobby. <laughs> Boy, are they uh, mistaken. Signed, Star <laughs> Witness. <laughs> a report from the boudoir is more convincing than one from the drawing room, but it's still wrong to apply a stereotype to a whole group based on the experience of some of its members. Man! Um, she didn't want to touch that at all. No, clearly. she didn't. And uh, yeah, uh, you're generalizing based on a whole group. I mean, it's absolutely true, but I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to get angry letters from other people. And the idea that you do it. You know what, though? I- I've seen these older families where you're like, how? I mean, my grandmother had six kids and they joked about the fact that like, what was that? Once every two years, you do it once every two years and every time, kid, boom, boom, kid. So, hey, maybe there's some truth to the rumor. Um, just the thought of that, since I am one of eight, makes uh-huh. me want to open up this window in my house on the seventh floor and jump out into traffic. Yeah. You were one of eight. They d- And yeah. how much, what was the spatial relationship between all of you? What's your social uh, distancing years? Five between me and the next. Okay. And then everyone else is like a year or so. Like Irish twins? Something like a year and like two years. I don't really know. I don't really know everyone's ages or anything. <laughs> I'm not really that concerned. I really thought you were going to say, I don't really know everyone. <laughs> I don't really, we haven't really met everyone yet. Um, <laughs> somewhere in the house. <laughs> eventually i'll get around to it but you know we have time they're there in the house oh they are large families these irish fams and they are very fertile i have heard. very yes i have uh i knew someone growing up she was like one of 11 yeah and i think like i think like after a while like you know like you put out like the first prototype and you're like oh that's okay and then the second one's really great and the third one's pretty good. And then all of a sudden, they start, like, fucking with the design. And then it starts to, like, not be so great. It's like running shoes. It's, it's an like, iPhone. It's the Apple right. iPhone. It's, yeah. It's, it's like this certain brand, like, the certain type of A6 runners is great. And then they do, like, version three, version four, okay. Mm-hmm. And then they start changing, like, the, the cushioning. And then you're like, ah, oh, it's kind of like running on nails. And by the time you get to the ninth shoe, you're like, I don't even know what this fucking is. It's like the kid's teeth are in the back of his head. Yeah. He blinks when he moves his toe. Like weird shit. Like he doesn't, he like pees, he pees in a drawer. He doesn't know where the toilet is. Like if you're Stuff the like CEO that. of your family, you start with by, by saying, look, I don't know where we started and where we came from, but where we started was much stronger. And we've been making small tweaks along the way that we thought were better. And we somehow ended up with this mess at the end of everything. So I want to, I want to either we get rid of it or we take it back to the floor model and we start again. You know how they say the family guillotine, <laughs> and the way that this this whole TV show would start with is a girl saying, "You know how they say you can't choose your family? Well, today you can." <laughs> 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 
and then we're in it to win it. So um, here's the scoop. Uh, because we are, as everybody, topsy-turvy, upside down, figuring out our way as we go in this crazy world, um, we have no moth report until we figure out how to do a little conference call action, which I think we might be able to figure out within the next week mm-hmm. or so. Uh, so moth Good. report is there in our future. It will be coming back. And also, we're, we're Instagram mail is just a little bit different this week. Again, we want um, everybody to write into us with all of your advice questions from travel to surviving quarantine uh, to how to get the best toilet paper. And frankly, if it's one ply at this point, you do what you can with what you've got, you know. Or just so, shit in your shower and wash it down the drain. I'm telling I you, mean, I you wish that I invested in a sturdy bidet company before this whole thing happened. But bidets, <laughs> mark my words, handshakes are going to go away, buffets will disappear, and bidets will be the gift of Christmas. We are getting a bidet. Anytime you're not using it. Yes, the bidet has come. <gasps> so between now and then, <laughs> you and I have to come up with amazing Taglines for bidets, starting with the bidet has come. We've already. It's a new bidet. It's a new bidet, a brand new bidet. (laughs) A whole new bidet. And then you can get like couples bidets, and we could do bidet by bidet. (laughs) Bidet by bidet. Oh, dear Lord. This as I pray, this as is good. This as is great. <laughs> There's like three people just spraying lights all around them. <laughs> but they're in hazmat suits too because it's the new normal. Right. So this week we're going to, instead of Instagram mail, just give you some words of wisdom in general from the ladies themselves. Would you like I should begin or would you like to kick things off? Either one. Either one, dearest Aaron. Either one. Well, you kick us off, boo. All right. All right. So, in this time of despair, here's what Abby has to share. Dearest listeners, I know most of you are worried and confused with so many conflicting stories and text messages flying about concerning the coronavirus. This new normal is reminiscent of the days of drawing a line up the back of my legs with an eyebrow pencil while my sister used mother's gravy to dye her legs due to the nylon shortage during the war. They were using our beloved stockings for parachutes, and us ladies had to put on our thinking caps, (laughs) or stockings, rather, and come up with something new. So many of us had to donate our crowns we adorned during pageants, too. I donated so, so many. Too many to count, actually, but I was happy to do so. My sister was able to donate the one she wore for the Miss. Little Miss Dumpster Diver contest that the local sanitation department organized to encourage students to encourage residents to be more mindful of their refuse. She came in for it. Now is the time to be selfish. Now is not the time to be selfish and greedy. Now is the time to be mindful of your fellow man. The videos of grown people fist fighting over single ply toilet paper is unimaginable. In my day, we had to rinse out our toilet paper and use it again. That is where my sister got that incurable rash that most people thought she got from Cousin Stevie. Yes, this is a time of grave concern. Most people haven't a clue what to do. So pay attention to the elders in your community. 
They have been here before with rationing, rolling up their sleeves, and helping out. From what I hear, the country is asking you to sit on your bum and leave everyone alone. Think you can handle that? They aren't asking you to enlist and hope you make it back home safe. They aren't asking you to work in factories all day and night for the essential wartime demands. They aren't asking you to pace your, your floor night after night, hoping and praying that your loved one returns in one piece. No. They are asking you to stack a little food and water, sit on your Davenport, and watch TV. That's it. When I asked my neighbor Adele if she remembered the war and what sacrifices her family had to pay and what the kiddos of today had to do, well, she turned to her grandson and slapped him with a stale loaf of bread, yelling, Millennials! Millennials will be the death of us! The death of us! And she might be right. Just the other night, as I was returning from the local market to buy cucumbers, raisins, and jumbo carrots, I noticed the local watering hole, Melodious Monk, situated near St. Michael's, normally a hot spot for the young men in the seminary. But that night, it was teeming with youngsters, overcrowding the bar and overwhelming the bartenders. These ungrateful and self-centered kiddos have no idea that whilst performing fellatio in the bathroom, they could be catching more than a simple case of crabs. They could contract this new coronavirus and bring it back to their apartment building where residents like Adele residing, endangering her life. I beg you, dear listeners, be better than a millennial. Be smart. Stay home. Stay focused. And for God's sake, do some jumping jacks, because at the end of this, we all might look like my sister Anne after, after the, her first semester in college. Abby. The Corona 15. <laughs> Damn you for bringing that up. <laughs> I like it. Now's the time to be selfish. Oh, wait, not be selfish. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that wasn't a Freudian slip, I don't know what was, but that was a very inspirational talk and very logical. It's true. They are not asking us to go to war. No, they're not really asking. They're asking us to not do anything. And because everyone needs to do something and we're so selfish, conditioned to be like, I'm my own person and no one can tell me what to do. And I live in New York City. Of course, I'm going to go to a crowded bar and do body shots and then come home and sneeze at my next door neighbor who will then die three days later. Did you see all the shots of the kids at, um, in spring break? Like chicken no. fighting with each other. I was like, oh, Corona. It was like a big Corona stew. They just don't think. People just don't think. Well, and they're starting to break up all the stuff on uh, Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Yeah, Let's be I read honest. That. These are the things that probably should have been done a long time ago. Like cleaning I mean, the subways, you know. So here's yeah. Anne's answers yeah, yeah. To, the, to the fine people out there. Words of wisdom from Anne Landis here. Dear listeners... And Landis here. If you're like most people I know, you're just about ready to follow a clown into the woods. Just like J-Lo, <laughs> this virus seems to have gotten more powerful since it changed names. I know times are scary. Every day seems to bring some new revelation, and with it some new normal that we'll have to deal with for the time being. But that's just it. To quote my Jules' favorite Broadway musical, Avenue Q., it's only for now. Of course, he shit his pants halfway through the song because he didn't go to the bathroom at intermission like I suggested he do. 
Since I have lived through bird flus and cholera and the Black Death and nine Fast and Furious movies, I've learned a thing or two about how to navigate uncertainty and fear. Here's my advice on how to handle the next couple of weeks. A. Listen to the professionals. I'm talking about that little small muppet behind the president named Mr. Fauci and the lady, the lady who shops at Chico's and keeps nodding ahead and the sexy Surgeon General, they are trying to stem the tide. Now is not the time for hubris. Like my ex-boyfriend Eldridge Cleaver once said, be a part of the solution, not the problem. Of course, he was talking to his proctologist at the time. B. Be patient with those around you. Quarantined with a cutie? Good for you. We'll see if you're ready to rip each other's extensions out five days in. And if you need to take some quiet time, go meditate or do some yoga far, far away from each other. Namaste away from each other. Self-care will be vital during these next couple of weeks. C. Laugh. Often. I highly recommend binging Deerpod episodes. We have almost 50 for your listening pleasure and entertainment. That's quality comedy content right there, people. Deerpodofficial.com. D. Daily structure. If you're not working or working from home, try to create some new daily routines. Or maybe even try something new during this lag time. I swear, if this quarantine forces me to learn how to bake, it'll be a cold day in hell. And finally, send some love to pals online. I've never borne witness to a global situation like this in a time where we're all connected by the interwebs. We are all in the same boat fighting the same invisible battle. And before this gets more intense, I just want to say, I love you all. But if you post a video of yourself singing a cappella with three other versions of yourself also singing the same song, I will end your life faster than any coronavirus could. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. You're in our hearts and minds even if we're all behind hazmat suits and plexiglass. Tune in, and we will continue to help you through this rough time. Anne. Thank you. Thank you very much. Beautiful. That would have, very beautiful. That would have been my TED Talk if they didn't reschedule it for 2025. <laughs> It'll happen eventually. You'll stay tuned for TED I'm I'm heartbroken that I don't get to share my wisdom with the world until 2021 when, well, you really even need it at that point. It's going to change my whole, it's going to change my trajectory. It's going to change my speech. That's the other thing that's weird is that um, I did a comedy show the other day. And by the time this goes to air, trust me, people, I did it not yesterday, but I've done it a few days ago. And, uh, you know, I was doing the show with another comic and they were like, you know, just make a couple Corona jokes up top and then sort of go into your regular routine. And it felt so out of body to like not acknowledge it more, to not laugh about it more. And I was laughing about it. And then at one point I was like, (laughs) marriage. Am I right, ladies? (laughs) 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 Men are like men and women are like women. And isn't that crazy? Am I right, ladies? <laughs> we all have differences because of where we live in New Jersey. Am I right, ladies? <laughs>
<laughs> Meanwhile, people are like putting their drinks down, getting up like one by one. They're like, I got to start the car. <laughs> and, then I, and then I think that I'm a hero because I created social distancing. Because I distanced them right out of the room. <laughs> and I'm just doing my part for the war effort, you know? So, oh, uh, it's already time. <gasps> we haven't sung together once today. Let's keep one thing normal. It's all right. time, time for, for specialty Specialty drink. I have a drink, but I stay six feet away from you. My liquids will not go with your liquids. We don't mingle the liquids. Oh, God. Give me that cocktail. Fuck, I need it. I need that fucking cocktail. fucking now. Shit, I hope it's a big fucking cocktail. I don't care if it. I don't care if I get coronavirus and I bring it back to everybody I've ever known ever. (laughs) The next war will be fought between the ages. And it's going to be real slow. And we're going to need a lot of Boniva. And Blythe Danner will lead us into battle. And she'll be on a horse. And she'll say, follow me. We're fighting the millennials. But, ooh, it's so cold up here on this horse. Mm, you know what? Maybe, Gwyneth, come over here. You can ride it side saddle. <laughs> I just want something gentle to sit upon. One of those donuts when you have hemorrhoids. Not that I've done hemorrhoids commercials, but you know. <laughs> I wish you were here for this drink. I don't know if you have, have a cocktail that you're enjoying right now. I am not. You are not. You need to get yourself a cocktail and enjoy with us. Because this, this week's episode, we bring you Irish coffee. That's right. Enjoyed in life by everyone's favorite living leprechaun, James Jules Ferris. So, in a six-ounce glass coffee mug, you want to combine one and a quarter ounces Clontarf Irish whiskey, one half ounce Demerara simple syrup, Four ounces hot coffee and top with cold, heavy cream that's been thickened a bit. How do you thicken it? You stick your finger in it, you move it around a little bit. Mm. So here's some tasting notes. If there is one group of people that we can all turn to in a crisis, it's those magical, freckled, jig-dancing, shillelagh-waving, tartan-wearing, melanoma-skinned, red-headed, whiskey-loving, plague-surviving beauties from the Emerald Isle. Let's all start and end our upcoming days, weeks, and months with some booze in our coffee. This recipe is actually based on the very popular version from the 2016 winner of the best bar in the world, Manhattan's Dead Rabbit Grocery and Grog. The key to this is freshly made coffee and the Demerara sugar because it has a lovely richness to it. Now, let's not overthink this one, kiddies. It's coffee, booze and cream. During those overwhelming times, let's keep this one simple and delicious as possible. May the winds of fortune sail you. May you sail a gentle sea. May it always be the other guy who says, This drink's on me! Cheers, everybody, to my people. Mmm. That is just... It's dessert and it's booze all in one, and I don't care if I don't sleep until 4 (laughs) a.m. This is potent coffee, like, loaded with creamy, sugary goodness. Mm. That's really good. 
He just said, that's really good. I mean, I'm chugging it. And this is everything you shouldn't (laughs) chug, like whiskey and coffee and cream. I'm chugging it. Like, what could possibly go wrong? I'm Blythe Danner, and I'm living in a cave under the ground that I had my husband (laughs) build me when I realized that my delicate skin couldn't hold up against the UV rays of the sun anymore. So I've been living in this bunker since 1993. Once we wrapped filming on all of the Fockers movies, I went underground with an assortment of of uh, scarves from that woman who who works for the National Health Organization. She and I we share scarves, but not anymore because we practice scarf distancing. We don't want our, our scarves to mingle. But every time I come out from my cave, they wipe me down anyway. And then I put on my biohazmat suit, and then I walk to the nearest Vons where I watch other people shop for toilet paper. And then I leave, I go back. I take all of my Chinese scarves, and I have them tested for coronavirus individually. I know there's people in America who need the coronavirus test, but my scarves are very expensive, and I need to make sure that they have not been infected. I'm going back under my cave now. Someone call me when they have a cure, and someone call me when they can fix my L4 and L5, as they seem to have collapsed on top of each other like a Manhattan high-rise. <laughs> <laughs>